Well, I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, last week, uh, I was starting to feel bad around 3 o'clock, and I uh, just thought, uh, I, can, I can work through this, I can work through this, until about 5 o'clock when I said, nope, I can't. Uh, so I, I desperately was uh, calling people um, and finally got a hold of uh, Jake Fawarda, our, who's our youth director, uh, to come fill in for me. And he uh, graciously came. I think I got a hold of him at about 5.30. He showed up here at about 5.50, just as I was starting to throw up. And uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful to him. I told him I need to go out and buy him uh, a lunch. Um, so last week we were going to talk about the consequences of the fall, but I was experiencing the consequences of the fall. Uh, and so we, we had to delay that until this week. Uh, as as you all may or may not know, uh, we've been doing a, a little bit of series uh, where we're kind of looking at the overarching plan, the big picture. And, and occasionally it's helpful for us, especially those of us who've been in uh, church a long time, and also for those of us who are, who are new to church, just to look at what's, the, what's going on in the big picture and, and zooming out. And we've kind of divided all of redemptive history into five stages. And we're going through those stages. First, we looked at creation. We are currently looking at the fall. Next, we'll be looking at uh, redemption. Then we'll be looking at proclamation. And finally, at restoration. Uh, So as we're going through the fall, uh, last week we looked at uh, the temptation and fall of Adam and Eve. And today we're going to get into what are the consequences uh, we, we had talked about God has given a word, God has given a warning, he's uh, given all these things to mankind uh, and provided this good and beautiful place for them to live in the garden, yet they decide to listen to a contrary voice when it appears in the garden. Uh, we're going to be reading together Genesis chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 7, I'll, I'll start reading there, we'll probably go through verse uh, 24, looking at what are the consequences of the fall, and then we'll talk about uh, what do these things mean. Then the eyes of both were opened, both Adam and Eve, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth your children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So as we get into this passage, one of the things we have to talk about, for the first time in the earthly realm, we have a sin that occurs. Adam and Eve ate of the tree, and as we're going through these fundamentals, one of the key questions we have to ask and answer is, what is sin and what are its consequences? What is sin and, and what are its consequences? And just to give you uh, the, the answer, sin is rebellion against God by disregarding him, his words, and his works. And it results in death and loss of blessing and the just punishment of God. So, so what is sin? Sin is rebellion against God by disregarding him, his word, and his works. And it results, this is what is the consequences of sin, it results in death, the loss of blessing, and the just punishment of God. And one of the things I want to remind us of is, and this is combining a couple previous lessons, that when Adam and Eve sin, it is a disregarding of God. It's a disregarding of the relationship that they had with him. Uh, previously, it says in, in Genesis uh, 2.25 that Adam and Eve were uh, unashamed in the garden. And that they were in each other's presence unashamed and that they were in the presence of God unashamed. There was an intimacy they had with him. It says they used to walk with him in the cool of the day in a garden. We see God... They disregard God himself. They, we see that they disregarded the word of God. We, we talked a while ago about uh, when God gives his word, he gives the command concerning the, the tree. There's a provision. You may eat of any tree of the garden. Uh, we see there's a prohibition except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat. And then there's also a punishment that is associated with it. For if you eat from that tree, on that day you shall surely die. So they had received the word of God, but here we see that they disregarded it. 
Not only did they disregard his word, they disregarded his works. Uh, there's a um, description of creation. If you remember back when we were going through creation, it would, you'd go through a day and it'd describe what God did. And oftentimes afterwards it would say, and God saw that it was good. There's a, a, a part of Genesis, we kind of skipped and, and gla- glossed over it, but in the beginning of chapter 2, there's this description of this land. And there's these rivers flowing in the land, and then they start naming all these weird you know, things. There's, you know, the, the land was good. There's uh, billium and onyx stone. They, you know, they named these weird stones, but they're, they're precious stones. And then it talks about this garden that God plants in Eden. What are all these things? There's a good creation. There's a very good spot in creation. There's a garden that man is placed in that he didn't plant, that he didn't build. So up until this point, man's entire experience with God has been experiencing the goodness of God, has been experiencing the blessing of God. So when he sins, he's disregarding all those things. He also disregards the provision of God. I I don't know if you also noticed this in in chapter 2, but in chapter 2, it it says that God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And and as you read the passage, one of the things you notice is that God notices this before man does. God recognizes man's need before he does. And then there's an interesting episode that happens. It says, God tells Adam to go and name the animals. And then one of the things that happens is Adam is naming the animals. He starts noticing, hey, wait a minute, Mr. Hippopotamus has Mrs. Hippopotamus, and Mr. Giraffe has Mrs. Giraffe. He starts noticing with all the other species, they have a helper and a mate that is suitable to them. So what does God do to Adam? He gives him an exercise so that he can recognize a need he has that God already knows about in order that God can provide for that need. The the purpose of the exercise was for him to come to know and experience God as the provider of his needs. And once again, the Lord God gives him something good that he doesn't deserve. So in all the experience of man's in relationship to God, his word, and his works, he's only known goodness. And then the serpent comes in and tells an alternate story. What happens? He doubts the goodness of God. He doubts that God really has his best interests in heart and therefore disregards him, his word, and his works. We see, uh, we said, mentioned that Adam and Eve were unashamed originally in the garden. After the fall, they immediately recognized the shame and the guilt of their sinful state. And they, they start trying to hide. Uh, it says they, they try and hide their nakedness with leaves in Genesis 3.7. We see that this means internally they lost their innocence and uprightness. Previously, they were innocent before God and upright before Him. Now they are relationally become fearful in their sinfulness. They're they're afraid. They're afraid somebody's going to see them as they are. They start covering themselves. They were evil, and they did not want God to see their wickedness. 
They hid themselves from the Lord with whom formerly they had experienced intimacy. And then we see God beginning to call them to account for their actions. Uh, What occurs here is very much uh, like a cross-examination. And by the way, when God asks questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. When God asks questions, it's so that the one who can hear it, hears the question, thinks about the answer. So we have God. He's in the garden. Uh, Adam and Eve are hiding themselves, and uh, he calls out, where are you? Now, he doesn't say that again because he doesn't know where they are. And what's Adam say? He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. Okay, then like a, a cross-examiner. Uh, by the way, in, in ancient times, you, you wouldn't necessarily have a prosecution and a defense attorney. Uh, the judge would kind of function as both of those. So the judge would be the one asking those who had come to the court the questions. So here, God as judge is examining and hearing their case. So he says, who told you? that you were naked. Have you eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you not to eat? Again, these questions are to pry into the heart of Adam, not to answer the question for God himself. We see in, in the responses of Adam and Eve, by the way, that not only is their relationship with God broken, the, that is the, I always get these two mixed up, not, that is the vertical, yeah. Not only is the vertical relationships messed up, the horizontal relationships are messed up as well. Because now it gets into uh, the question, what, what does Adam do? He throws Eve under the bus, doesn't he? And, and in a way, not only is he blaming Eve, but he's blaming God. Do you notice that? As he's trying to excuse himself, he says, the woman, not my fault, her fault, The woman whom you gave me, kind of her fault, but also your fault, Mm because I wouldn't have had her if you hadn't given her to me. You see, the the blame blame game starting to be played. Uh, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. So we we see he's throwing her under the bus. He's trying to blame God. He's trying to uh, escape any responsibility for his actions, escape the consequences. Uh, I'm glad we live in a society now where that never occurs, right? So we see these relationships that that formerly were intimate are breaking down. The consequences of the fall are are already manifesting themselves. We see Eve uh, shifts blame on the serpent before confessing her sin. Uh, God says to her, um, uh, what is this you, that you've done? The woman says, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's not my fault. I was deceived. I got tricked. Um, but one thing I will notice, you know, a lot of times when people uh, teach this passage or pre- preach this passage, they just talk about all the things Adam and Eve did wrong. But there is something good that they do here. Although they try and blame shift, although they try and do that, they ultimately confess. Adam says, I ate. Eve eventually says, I, I ate. 
So one of the things we, we want to we ignore the bad, but we also want to take the good. They ultimately confess to the sin that they've done. By the way, this is different than Cain later on. Uh, Cain, when God interviews him, he says, I don't know where my brother is. Am I my brother's keeper? So, so in one generation, we go from uh, blaming to denying the reality of sin. We then uh, see that God doles out curses in accordance with the transgression and in accordance with the law that he has given. By the way, a curse is a separation from a blessing. Uh, the serpent is cursed above all animals, and there's a promise of his ultimate dem- demise. Uh, it's, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and between her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Um, uh, there's, there's a TV show called uh, The Office, uh, and, and it, it's a ludicrous, silly show, which I, I like silly shows because it helps me uh, decompress. And there's an episode uh, where two people are injured. One has a concussion and one has an injured foot. And the guy with the injured foot, is is, is, they both have to go to the hospital, and uh, mainly for the person with a concussion. And the guy with the foot is trying to one-up the guy with the head. And he keeps asking, you know, the doctor, he says, which is worse, a head injury or a foot injury? And the doctor says, a, a head injury? And he says, well, you don't know all the facts, you know. <laughs> That's true in this passage as well. The, the head injury is worse than the foot injury. Now, a, a, foot, a bruised heel is, is a non-lethal blow. The blow to the head is a, the le- a lethal blow. Uh, we'll get into this a little bit more. Next, this time we're talking about the consequences. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the hope that we have after the fall next week, and, and that will get into this a little bit more. But as a part of the curse to the serpent, uh, he's cursed above all animals, and there's a promise of his ultimate demise. Uh, the woman receives uh, the curse of pain in childbirth, uh, as well as a relational curse. By the way, there's, there's a little bit of uh, debate as, as to what it means. Uh, your desire shall be your fu- for your husband, and he shall rule over uh, but probably the best way to take it uh, is that this is a, a relational curse uh, where the wife would be desiring to overthrow uh, their male counterparts, yet the men would domineer over her. That's what a lot of the commentators take this as. Adam receives the curse of having to toil in order to receive the fruits of the ground. Now, remember, when we talked about Eden, we said that God had already planted the garden and put him in it to keep and cultivate it, to to improve what what was already there. Now, um, one of the things this gets at is that formerly, by the way, well, I have too many thoughts jumping in at once. Sorry about that. Um, One thing this gets at is that work existed before the fall, Okay. Well, work isn't a result of the fall. Before the fall, Adam was called to, to keep the garden. He's called to name the animal. He's given various tasks and responsibilities. But one thing that comes in as a curse is futility in work. Uh, we, uh, I was reminded of this recently because now we have really big weeds growing in them. But I got a couple of uh, pots a couple summers ago, and I planted 
you know, I planted some tomatoes. I planted some uh, some some various other fruits and veg well not fruits but other vegetables, and uh, left them in my backyard. And you know, all summer uh, watched them. Some of them grew. Some of them didn't. But you know what? I never got never got a tomato plant. You know, never never got any fruit out of those. So the work I had put in was ultimately futile. Um, and, and yeah, that's my green, I have a, the, whatever the opposite of a green thumb is, uh, I don't know, a brown thumb. Um, yeah, there's some, I, I could probably kill a plastic plant if, I, if you gave me enough time. Uh, but, but so what is that a result of? It's a result of the curse. And I don't know about you, but some of the most enjoyable times are times when I'm working, yet I see that the work that I'm doing is profitable. Some of the worst times for me is when I'm working, when I'm doing things, and it seems like there's no effect. And in those days, you think, man, I'm so sad about the fall. There's now futility that enters into the work that we have. We see that's one of the curses that comes down. Adam has to toil in order to receive the fruits of the ground, and he's ultimately going to return from to the ground from which he was taken, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Death has entered into the world because of Adam's transgression. And, and, and if we back up again and, and just look at this as a whole, uh, remember what the serpent promises to Adam and Eve. You will be made like God. You will ascend to divinity. What happens to man instead? Far from ascending to divinity as the serpent promised, humanity is wrecked with death, pain, and toil. By the way, Satan almost always promises us things that he cannot deliver. And almost always when we take the bait, the opposite occurs. We also see later on after the curses that they're kicked out of the garden and separated from the tree of life, lest they continue in their miserable condition forever. Uh, One of the things that occurs here is, is the Lord recognizes Adam and Eve now know the difference between good and evil. They have chosen to be evil, and that is not a good condition for them to continue in forever. As a result of the fall, death enters into the world. A man now has to contend with both spiritual death, that is separation from God, and physical death. Although man still functions as the image of God in creation, uh, by the way, we, we know that a, a little bit uh, later when God talks about if you shed man's blood by man's blood, you shall be shed. Uh, uh, if you shed blood by the sword, your, your blood will be shed as well. Why? Because man is made in the image of God. The image of God survives through this, but we see that it is now in a corrupted form. That man no longer represents God, no longer serves as the image and likeness of God to the degree that he used to before the fall. 
man was once able to choose good, but now is enslaved to sin. Man was once innocent, but now he has been found guilty. By the way, uh, look at John eight thirty four with me. I, I, I say man was able to choose good, but now is enslaved to sin. I, I want to prove that from uh, John eight thirty four and 36. John 8, beginning in verse 34. By the way, let's back up actually because the context is really good. Let's back up to verse 831. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham. And have never been enslaved to anyone. How do you? How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin." That is a, a, a pretty powerful statement. There, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, and it's interesting. His his audience. Jesus says, hey, I'm here to set you free. And they're thinking, hey, we're, we're, we're not slaves. We're not, we don't have a, a master in the house. We, we're not obliged to anyone. What are you talking about? He says, we're sons of Abraham. He says, yeah, but you're also sons of Adam. And as a result, you are born with this thing called sin that controls you. It causes you to do what you do not want to do, that causes you to do what you ought not to do. And it is your master causing you to do what is wicked. This, by the way, gets into why Jesus Christ came. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but I can't help it. This gets into why Christ came. Why did Christ come? To undo the curse of the fall. To undo our enslavement to sin. And to bring us into a new and more powerful freedom. Uh, We we see also in this that even creation experiences the curse as a result of man's sin. And longs to be released. Uh, We we see that when it talks about, you know, the ground is cursed. What did the ground do? The ground didn't do anything wrong. We also see it in, in Romans 8, 20. Through 22. I'm, I'm just going to read this to us. Romans 8, 20 through 22. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Uh, we, we see that the creation experienced the curse as a result of man's sin and longs to be released from that. Uh, by the way, one, one of the things this also teaches us about sin is there are always unintended consequences. Sin often hurts those who had nothing to do 
with the original sin. Sin's effects are multiple, and they spread like a sickness. In this, we see that it is a serious problem now facing mankind. He is spiritually dead. He is separated from the tree of life. There is enmity in both the vertical and the horizontal relationships. Because man chose to sin in rebellion against God, disregarding him, his word, and his works, resulting in death, loss of blessing, and the just punishment of God. This is the state into which and the world into which we are born. It seems as though a very hopeless place. But next week we're going to look at what is the hope that we have in light of the sin that now rules over the world.